Barefooting with Sierra uses Buzzsprout. Just start with the equipment you already have and a quiet space, add Buzzsprout, and your podcast is ready to go. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support the show. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of Barefooting with Sierra. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist, and I've been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. In this episode, I interviewed barefooter, autism advocate, and special Olympian Tyler Leach. I'm going to break this podcast up into four parts, novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. I will give you updates on what I'm working on, let you know about any new works you can see, and keep you in the know about when I do free book giveaways on Amazon. Let's get started. First up, novels. Yesterday, about two hours into the school day, my son's school called and said he had to come home because he was sick, coughing, cold symptoms, possible COVID. So he's in quarantine over at his dad's because I'm still in quarantine myself and I couldn't go pick him up. He tested negative for COVID, but just like me, he's legally required to do the 10 days of quarantine. So my quarantine ends in three days, but he's just starting his. He is so bored, and we spent almost the whole day today on FaceTime talking about Godzilla, which is his absolute favorite thing right now. We watched some Godzilla movie with Millie Bobby Brown in it. I think it was Godzilla King of the Monsters. It was over FaceTime together, and he really enjoyed that. And then we had his Godzilla toys at his dad's house play with his Godzilla toys at my place together over FaceTime. Because I spent literally all day doing that, I got zero writing done today, and I'm not complaining. My son is my number one priority. I can always write later, but I can't get that time back with my son if I don't seize that moment. My third novel, Red 72 Exodus, is going to be available as a free ebook on Amazon from February 6th through 8th. Make sure you grab it while it's free. This is the third book in my Red 72 series, and it will make more sense if you have read Red 72 and Red 72 Genesis before you start this one, but it functions well enough as a standalone that you don't absolutely have to have read those for it to work. In novel news today, former flight attendant TJ Newman has signed a million-dollar two-book deal with Simon & Schuster. Her first book, a thriller called Falling, will come out in July. Newman says the idea for the book, about a plane full of passengers who have no idea their pilot's family has been kidnapped and he must crash the plane in order to save them, came to her while working on on board a flight full of sleeping passengers. I'm looking out at the passengers and it's quiet and it's dark and it occurred to me at that moment how vulnerable the passengers were at the hands of the two men who were flying the plane, she said in a phone interview with Prince Albert Now. She asked a pilot friend what he would do in that situation. When he didn't have an answer, she decided to write the book to find one. She's already started on her second novel. No details on what it will be about yet, but if it's anything like falling, it's going to be nightmare fuel. Dublin Literary Award judges released their long list of library nominations today, 
This literary award is for excellence in world literature and can be awarded to any novel written or translated into English. This year, 49 books were nominated by libraries around the world. The shortlist is expected on March 25th, with a winner announced on May 20th as part of the International Literature Festival in Dublin. The author of the winning novel will receive a prize of 75,000 euros, and the translator will receive 25,000 euros, making the Dublin Literary Award the world's largest cash prize award for a single work of fiction. You can see the complete list of this year's nominated books at dublinliteraryaward.ie. Now on to comics. Due to my son needing me today, I didn't create a comic today, but we brainstormed a lot of ideas together, and tomorrow's comic is going to be great. In comic news today, rumors are flying about DC Comics character Black Adam, longtime rival of Shazam, also known as Captain Marvel. A comic news site that I personally try to avoid, Bleeding Cool, appears to be the source of these rumors. They claim insider knowledge about the upcoming Justice League issues that Black Adam is reportedly going to be a part of, but the reasoning for the name change is not made clear in the Bleeding Cool article. Brian Michael Bendis, the Justice League writer who will take over starting with issue number 59, tweeted today, quote, rumors are stupid. Disney released a trailer for their documentary Marvel's Behind the Mask, a look at Marvel's most famous writers and creators and the characters they brought to life on the page. Larry Hama, who I had the immense pleasure of interviewing at Edmonton Expo a few years ago, and Christopher Priest, who I consider a personal mentor, are both in the trailer talking about their contributions as people of color in the comic book industry. Marvel's Behind the Mask will be available for streaming on Disney Plus starting next week, and I'm really looking forward to watching it. Alright, next up is journalism. Like I said earlier, I spent most of the day taking care of my son, so I didn't get any writing done on my true crime book either, which I'm still waiting on court transcripts for anyways. I did get some work done on another journalism project, which I'm really excited about, and when I'm able to announce that on the podcast, I will. Every day in February, I'm going to highlight one influential Black history figure. Today's Black History Month highlight is Edward William Brooke III, or as Pod Save the People would say, I, I, I. That's that's how they write the third on Twitter, and that's one of their guys' Twitter handle. He's got the third in there, and it's if you don't get the joke, it's okay. Edward Brooke was the first African-American popularly elected to the U.S. Senate. Now, don't be confused, because a few days ago, I talked about Blanche Bruce, who was the first African-American to serve a complete term in the U.S. Senate, and I mentioned Hiram Revels in that episode, who started a term but didn't finish it. Prior to 1913 and the passing of the 17th Amendment, senators were appointed by state legislators, so Edward Brooke was the first black senator chosen on the ballot by the people. Brooke was born in Washington, D.C. on the 26th of October 1919 to Edward William Brooke Jr. and Helen Selden Brooke. After graduating from Dunbar High School, he enrolled in Howard University, where he studied political science. He enlisted in the Army after the attack on Pearl Harbor. He served as an officer of the segregated 366th Infantry Regiment for five years, seeing action in Italy, where he met his wife, Remigia Ferrari Scacco. Brooke attended Boston University Law School, when he returned home from his Army service, graduating in 1948. He remained in Boston after graduating and attempted to run for state offices three times before Governor John Volpe appointed him chairman of the Finance Commission of Boston. With the experience he gained in that position, 
he was able to win the 1962 election for Attorney General of Massachusetts, making him the first African-American Attorney General of any state. In 1966, he ran for and was elected to the U.S. Senate as Representative for Massachusetts. He served two terms in this position. As Senator, he co-authored the 1968 Fair Housing Act with Walter Mondale, voted in favor of confirmation of Thurgood Marshall to the U.S. Supreme Court, was the first Republican to call on Nixon to resign, and fought to retain Title IX. During his second term, Brooke and Remigia Ferrari Scacco divorced. John Kerry, the 2004 presidential candidate, who at the time was a county prosecutor, announced an investigation into claims Brooke made during the divorce proceedings, alleging that he had falsified his finances. He was never charged with anything, but the bad publicity contributed to him losing his Senate seat in the 1978 election. After leaving the Senate, he practiced law and served as a chairman of the National Low-Income Housing Coalition. On the 20th of June 2000, a courthouse in Boston was named in his honor. In September 2002, he was diagnosed with breast cancer and began a national campaign to raise awareness about the disease in men. On the 23rd of June 2004, President George W. Bush awarded him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He died at the age of 95 in Coral Gables, Florida, on the 3rd of January 2015, and was buried in Arlington National Cemetery. In today's current events, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer, released more information about the daycare linked to a COVID variant strain outbreak. Tot Spot Academy in St. Albert, Alberta, found out on Tuesday that two of the positive cases they had previously been notified of were variant strains. The daycare was first notified of confirmed positive COVID test results on January 19th. The province ordered them to shut down the facility for 10 days, and anyone who had been in contact with the sick people needed to quarantine for 14 days. All staff and children had to be retested after the variant strain was identified, and they have to get tested a third time before coming back to the facility, which is scheduled to reopen this coming Monday. There have now been 68 total variant cases in Alberta. The Office of the Chief Coroner of Ontario has finished the investigation into the apparent suicide death of a young Indigenous man immediately after he was released from a Thunder Bay hospital in September 2019. A representative for the office told Thunder Bay Newswatch that they have contacted the family, but their findings are not going to be made public. The young man was part of the Nishinaabe Aski Nation. When Grand Chief Alvin Fiddler heard about the incident, he wrote to the hospital and asked for an investigation. The hospital's internal review found no wrongdoing. Surprise, surprise. A representative for Thunder Bay Regional Health Sciences Center told Thunder Bay Newswatch they concluded that appropriate actions were taken and that the right decisions were made by clinical staff based on the information provided to them and the patient's presentation. This sounds like a cop-out. He was at the hospital for three hours before they discharged him. I've personally gone to the emergency room for mental health crises on more than one occasion. I've never been in and out in three hours, and they always had a follow-up plan for me. They discharged this man, let him leave, escorted him out to a university campus across the street from the hospital, and he was found dead by a security officer a few hours later. Even in a rural hospital with only five beds, they kept me overnight because they were worried I was a danger to myself. Canada has a systemic racism problem where Indigenous Canadians are treated as less than human. The coroner's findings need to go public. If there's going to be reconciliation between settler Canadians and Indigenous Canadians, we have to have the truth.
Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. Being stuck inside so much this past year is really taking its toll on my calluses. It's like my feet decided, oh, you live indoors now. You don't need these anymore. When this pandemic is finally over and I'm back to being outside all the time, my feet are going to take some serious work to build back up to their pre-pandemic strength. And now for my interview with today's guest, Tyler Leach. Hi, Tyler. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Please tell the listeners a little about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. Thanks, Sierra. My name is Tyler Leach. I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. And in addition to working as an operations processor at Wells Fargo, I'm a Special Olympics athlete, public speaker, board member for the Autism Society of Iowa, and founder of the Barefoot Autism Challenge. You're a pretty awesome guy. (laughs) Thanks. How old were you when you were diagnosed with autism? About 22 months old. I started off with saying some words as a little baby. And then around that time, I stopped speaking and my mom noticed it. And then sometime after that, I recited the whole Dr. Seuss's ABC book, word from word. And then my language was back ever since. That is a... Unique story, but familiar story at the same time <laughs> from all the, all of my friends with autism that I've, it seems to be something like that always happens. <laughs> so how did you find going barefoot helps you? Well, I guess it started back in 2013. Uh, there was a class I took in sixth grade that required like the closed shoes and all that and I guess it was in brained in and broiled into my head that sandals and barefoot was only okay like at home and all that I didn't even wear sandals again until 2013. Even my parents were baffled by it a little bit. But around that time, I got connected with someone else who lived in Iowa who was a barefoot runner. And I found out that going barefoot actually helps calm your nerves and helps with strengthening your posture and I gave it a try and from then on in I was hooked also a familiar story to me (laughs) yeah so how did the barefoot autism challenge get started originally it was going to be started as like something within the barefoot runner society as a fun thing for them to do, but then the person who runs the group told me I should make a Facebook page for it. And I was a little unsure about it because I didn't know how my friends would react to it, but much to my surprise, I got a lot of support from them. 
Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's about the time that I think we started interacting online. So what, yeah. Uh, What have been some of your best advocacy experiences since starting the Barefoot Autism Challenge? Well, some of my advocacy things started even back when I was in high school. I wasn't part of something called the Youth Leadership Forum for people with disabilities. We got to stay at a college campus in Iowa and we learned about self-advocacy and leadership skills. And I took those skills throughout all parts of my life, even sharing how the forum helped me by advocating for it not to be caught by the state in 2011 to talking about an experience I had where I was detained by police and suggested to the local legislators that having a designation on a driver's license for people with autism was a good idea. Interesting. I'd never considered that. That that probably would be helpful, though, for some people. Yeah, I have the link to that story, and I can send it over to you if you want. Yeah, that's, I'd like to include that in the episode. So that would, for sure. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned, in addition to being an autism advocate, you're also a special Olympian. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yes, I started when I was eight years old. That's the minimum age, as far as I know, that you can be a special Olympics athlete. At the time, it started when I was in third grade because my school had a team specifically for it. It started out with track and field, stuff like running and softball toss. And by middle school, I expanded my resume with that by including bowling, basketball, soccer, which I don't do anymore because it's not my most favorite. And eventually leading up to golf, bocce, and by the time the pandemic is over with and in-person stuff will be allowed again, I'm going to add snowshoeing to the list. Oh, wow. I didn't know snowshoeing was considered a sport. That's awesome. Yep. Good stuff. So it sounds like you've really embraced all the best abilities that come with your autism. What advice would you give to parents of kids who've been recently diagnosed or even to adults who have been recently diagnosed about how to cope with the struggles that come with autism? I would say, don't be afraid to reach out to someone for assistance. Use every resource that you can and just don't be afraid to share your story. I know it was nerve wracking for me, but every time I get asked to share it, I always jump in at the opportunity. You've never turned me down when I've asked you to do an interview. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, and you recently got into flow art. Can you tell us a bit about that? Oh, yes. Um, I got into it after seeing videos of a friend of mine from high school doing it. And I thought it was really cool. And there's some times where she does it barefoot too. And I thought that for this year's Barefoot Autism Challenge, I could include hobbies as one of the themes. And I know my friend does that as one of her hobbies. And this summer we're planning out a collaboration featuring flow art and including my challenge. So we're looking forward to that. So what exactly is the mechanism for how you create that? They look like kind of like the, the fiber optic light that I used to have in my room as a teenager. Yes. Um, what we do is we have products from glow FX. They have gloves with light tips on it, glasses. And what we're doing for that is we're using their pixel whips that you can change the color in between and you can glide the whip around your body and create something of a dancing light show. It looks really awesome in the videos you posted on Instagram. Thanks. Tyler, you really are a remarkable individual, and I'm so glad I've been able to get to know you over the years since you've started your Barefoot Autism Challenge. Could you share some of the best advice you've gotten about transitioning into going barefoot more? That's a good question. I guess some of the advice that I've gotten was like, to start off slow and just take it one step at a time, which I could totally understand because it's like so many years have passed since sixth grade and I didn't want to avoid the sandals and stuff all together. I don't know what it was that made me stop going barefoot at sixth grade, but like start off with walking in something you're comfortable with, like your home carpet or grass or your driveway. And once you've done it enough times, maybe try something a little more challenging, like a gravel trail. Great advice. And how can people find you on social media? I have an Instagram page. And it's, hold on, I'm going to look it up real quick. There's my personal one, Tyler underscore H-O-R-P 2011 for the year I graduated high school. And my challenge has an Instagram, Barefoot Autism Challenge. 
same name as my Facebook. And on Twitter, I'm under HLRP Tyler. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. I consider you a friend of the podcast as well as a personal friend. Thank you. That's all for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow with another guest, this time Danielle Smith, the face behind Nerdy Girl Comics. Thanks so much for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at sierrathebarefoot, on Facebook as sierrathebarefootgirl, on Twitter at sierrabarefoot, and on TikTok at sierraisbarefoot. You can follow the podcast itself on Instagram at barefootingwithsierra. All of my books are available on Amazon. My comics are available on Instagram at World of Possums and Patreon.com slash PossumPete. Thank you to Legion X for the intro and outro music. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. And please share it with a friend if you're enjoying it. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.